Mad Beef is kept going and growing by generous support from Skater HQ. Bill and the team have been heavily involved in the inline skating community since 1991 and continue to support competitions, skaters, and now a podcast. You can visit Skater HQ at one of their Sydney shops or shop online at skaterhq.com.au. Also, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. If you want to become a patron of the podcast, find us on Patreon and pledge a monthly contribution. Even just $2 a month would be a huge encouragement. Hi and welcome to Mad Beef, the Australian rollerblading podcast. I'm Mikey Lynch and in this episode I chat with Scott Crawford, um, recently returned from taking bronze on the podium for the um, veteran division of the Blading Cup in the States, which had about skating at Woodward, Cosmo Wheels um, and preferred skate wheel frame setups. Uh, we talk about religion and skating, all sorts of stuff along the way. Uh, it was a great conversation, and I uh, hope you enjoy. Cheers. Welcome back. Thank you. How are you going? Yeah, I'm doing all right, thank you. Yeah, it's um, you know plenty, plenty to you know be chipping away on with kind of work and family and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's there's lots lots on the plate, and then. Uh, I don't know, the weather's nice out there, and as you know, I'm trying to sort of work on my, um, you know, learning how to air on a vert ramp, and I'm looking out there going, oh, it's meant to rain the next few days, but I should be out there today skating, but you can't, you can't, you know, life, there's adult life, isn't there, you've got to... Oh, yeah, <laughs> and I know it, and I know it. And then it, then you get to um, the time when you do have time off, and the kids are taken care of, and they don't have to be at work, and then it's raining or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was the lead up to Blading Cup for me, I was... Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it just hadn't rained in a year, and then it just poured down for three weeks. Yeah. But you you got on the podium for the veterans. Oh, mate, yeah, I think I got a bit lucky, but yeah. yeah, (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, it was um, unsuspecting, that's for sure. I didn't, didn't expect it. That's awesome. I still haven't seen. I've only seen like bits and pieces of kind of edits and stuff, and I'm seeing this kind of one kind of royale of yours, but I haven't haven't seen kind of much else. You know, like it's all just grabs of bits and pieces. I guess someone's going to pull together a larger thing somewhere at some point. Yeah, it's because it's a jam format. Um, it's sort of there was a lot of one-off tricks, you know. So yep. that was kind of where I suppose where I did okay because I actually did a line. And I did very simple tricks, but, you know, did six of them or so in a row, you know, whereas everyone else was sort of trying um, really hard stuff that I can't do and making it too, but, but yeah. one-off tricks. So, yeah. yeah. That uh, box thing looked pretty bloody high. Yeah, it was actually um, well, difficult to skate, but took took a while to get used to. Like the quarter had quite a big kink in the bottom of it and uh, everything was, was – it wasn't as easy as it looked. Yeah. That one. I don't know, that box looked, yeah, that looked high. You know, see people coming off the end doing the sort of, um, you know, the 360s out. And then uh, then that wall as well, hey, the kind of vert wall thing up the end of the... Yeah, mate, Mike Budnick's inverts on that were just... Oh, no. <laughs> absolutely insane. And just held it there, just really hung up the top of that thing. Oh, mate, it was, it was awesome to see. Because if you, if you actually try to skate that thing, you know, I got up and did a few uh, porn stars. Uh, on the top of it, like topside porn star stall, and and a few bits and pieces on it, but just to get up there was hard. So to throw an invert was it was pretty impressive. Oh man! Amazing. And then to, yeah, mm. then you got 
problem with getting up on a vert wall is you've got to get back down. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate. And get back it, down again. It was a reasonably tight training at the bottom of that too. So Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Had, had you done any of the Blading Cups before or was that your first? No, no, that was my first one. That was my first one. It was incredible. It's, a, it's an incredible event. Really uh, grassroots sort of feel, you know. Because they just like block, they have some area of a street, a side street or something blocked off or something. And Yeah, so it's in downtown St. Anna. Um, I got there and it was straight away myself and John and Miguel and a couple of other guys were just into like building ramps, moving ramps, screwing things together, getting signs, getting banners. And, you know, we're up at like 5.30 in the morning and, not going to bed until sort of two o'clock, you know. That was massive, massive days. But it was it was awesome. It was an amazing event. Amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and and what what um, what do you reckon? Like, if if someone, I mean, maybe get, say, make the two comments. If someone was thinking about going going over and throwing their hat in the ring and actually having a go at skating in it, what would they need to be prepared for? Um, you know what? It's a pretty. Um, there's, some people take it really, really seriously. Well, a lot of people do, I suppose. But um, it's uh, it's such a just a homey kind of vibe that it was it was really enjoyable, and it's a jam format too. Yep. So it, it's quite a. It's just awesome. Like I don't know. I haven't been to an event like that where the crowd actually gets that close, you know, and the, you can feel the people next to you. You know, you can feel the. The people getting stoked and, and yeah. yeah, so it's that that kind of thing on the really big competitions, whether you just see a little dot, you know, like Feist or whatever they're called, Pisa, Feist. Mm-hmm. You know, amazing Feast, skating. I think, because it's French, right? So Feast. Yeah. yeah. Amazing skating on these huge courses, but it's completely different. I mean, I haven't been to one live, but completely different feel, you know, like people are nearly high-fiving you on the course as you're going along. It's a, it's a different yeah. different kind of vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, one of the feast ones they had in um, in, in France was um, a lot of the crowd was on the other side of the river in, like, these um, kind of stadium seats, kind of looking across the river at the course. Yeah. So that was one where, that's crazy, that one, Jaron Grobe was a part of it, and uh, almost straight away in his first run, he threw this massive, like... I don't know, 10, 11, 12 foot backflip, enormous thing, and just got hung up upside down and basically oh, just yeah. just landed on his head yeah. and his shoulder. Um, and uh, he go, goes to get up and then just sits back down again. Yeah. Poor guy. Oh, mate, yeah. I've seen that guy. If anyone can say, if he sits back down again, it must be pretty serious. <laughs> I I've reckon. seen that guy. Yeah, he's had some pretty pretty damaging. Um, I mean, we talked about uh, uh, you know you've had your share of injuries as well, but he's had some pretty pretty vicious oh, crashes over the years, hasn't he? And he's somehow mm. still ticking along. Yeah, and he's such a lovely guy too. Like mm. he's got this, you know, the monster, this this wild, out of control, like huck at anything. Yeah. And then you talk to him, he's such a placid, nice human. You know, it's 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 yeah. really yeah, really different to his. To his skating style, which is rare actually, because most people you can see their personality comes straight through their skating. But um, yeah. but yeah, he's he's when he gets on his skates, he's, he is the monster. He's an animal. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with, he's, yeah, yeah. And would it be a worthwhile thing for someone to go to um, Blading Cup just to watch him? But by the sounds of things, obviously, yeah, right. Like a, a real buzz party, uh, intimate. But still, you know, like a whole bunch of things you'd get out of it, even if you were not game enough to actually skate in front of everyone, you'd have a great time as a blader just going to be a part of it, yeah? 
Yeah, well, there was one of the skaters from Melbourne, Chris uh, Puller. He was there, yeah. and uh, he had an absolute blast from what I can see. He was, you know, he got to hang out with all the guys, and, and you know, you're hanging out with Alex and, and Sean, Dust, and Gavin, and, you know, all the hot shots yeah. are there. Yeah. And, you know, there's no backstage area, you know. Like I said, it's a really sort of homey vibe, and everyone, there's a pub right above the course. Uh, yeah. You know, you're old enough, you I just go up there and have a beer and watch the... That's pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nice, it was nice awesome. way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, and just up the people, you know. Like, I, I was hanging out with friends that I haven't seen in 15 years. Yep. So, you know, Micah Palek and B. Love, Harding, and all these guys came down. It was amazing. Aton Kramer, Mike Budnick. Yeah. The list goes on. I'll forget names and I apologise. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty special. Ah, very good. And mm. um, before we move past that um what was what were your lines what what was the lines that you, you're saying oh, simple so, tricks but what were you doing so in my um in my prelims i actually fell and jammed my thumb and, and hurt my knee um but in my head i was like well no one's doing i can't do what these other guys are doing like they're better skaters than i am hands down you know if you watch the video part that you know they're doing much harder tricks um but the way I like to skate is to do lines and go, okay, well, I'm going to come off this and then I'm going to hit that and then I'll hit that and then I'll go over there and do something on that. So I got one or two lines down just, and then, um, and then it, I sort of fell and hurt my thumb and knee in the, in the qualifying, but got through to the finals. And then in the finals, I really just, um, I was, to tell you the truth, I was pretty worried about hurting myself. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just, Add a little bit here and there to the line I've already done. Um, because were you no skating one, with any protection though? It looked like you're just skating. Um... I had knee pad, knee gaskets on. A oh, ri- gasket, I always yeah. skate with wrist guards because my I've broken my wrist four times. So my my wrist is if I just touch it on the ground, it, it blows up. So I always skate with wrist guards. Yeah. And knee gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So. What's the um, um, What's the difference between the gaskets and the knee pads? I've always just you know had had knee pads, but it, it, is it you still get a decent amount of buffer off a gasket? Yeah, you do. They just don't rip your pants. So if you've got them underneath <laughs> yeah, your yeah. jean, yeah. you don't have a hard cap that rips yeah. as easily, you know. So depends on what you get to and what you use. And, mm. you know, on vert, I still wear big hard cap pads. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, cool. Okay, so you got, you got to the final and, you know, you're worried about hurting yourself even then. Yeah, and then um, it was just so much fun, you know. I'm hanging up there with all these guys that are killing it, but everyone still was doing uh, one-off tricks. Like, um, and Mike did his amazing fish brain stall and invert, and there was guys doing some amazing stuff, you know, true porn star on the on the high box, and and uh, you know, I, I felt really bad actually because like John Ortiz and Mike Scott were skating, and Mike Budnick were skating incredible, like yep. you know, one, two, three, right there, like in no particular order. Um, but unfortunately, Mike Scott, I thought, was skating better than everyone. But just during his runs, he just fell over. You know, he's got quite a bad back. Mm. Once he cools down, his, his back kind of stiffens up. He's, he's had operations on his back. And unfortunately, he didn't land anything. And I, my money was on him to win, actually. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, and everyone sort of fell over. And I was like, oh, well, no one else is doing lines. No one else is skating lines. So I'll just do what I do and do it a little bit differently, I guess. And, yeah, I did that and... I suppose I'm not the one judging it, but seemingly the judges liked it, so, yeah. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah, it was good, but uh, like I said, I do feel a little bit guilty because there was some amazing skaters doing some great stuff, so. Yeah. 
So travelling over to um, something like that, being, you know, otherwise sort of in a, you know, a difference of phase of life and just skating with a few people you can make it, you know, whose timetables click, you know, like locally. Mm-hmm. What, what does that, um, did, did you walk away with any new perspectives on the state of um, rollerblading in 2018? Um, you know what, I, I said it a few times when I was over there, it definitely feels like there's a groundswell, like there's something something just below the surface that's, that's you know, lifting, that's, that's rising. Um, yeah, it def- definitely feels like it's getting stronger. Um, I, I mean, in saying that, I can't, don't really know because I haven't been there for such a long time. Yeah. Um, but it really seems to be, you know, all these companies are coming out of the woodworks. There's a lot of history stuff. Like, yeah. You know, people are quite excited um, about some of the old stuff and seeing some old faces. So that was that was really. I mean, you've been you've been skating to some degree or another the whole time, but there's a lot of people whose stories, like my story or Lawrence's story or or Ian Smith's story, like a whole bunch of us have stopped for some time, whether it's sort of seven years or fifteen years or twenty years, and are kind of coming back because your kids are in school and. You know, life's hitting. You know, you start going, oh yeah. Well, what were the things I used to love before my life was just sort of nappies and not sleeping and working and whatever. And you go, oh yeah, I love that thing I used to yeah. do. You know, and um, and so that's you know that that's a huge contingent just there, right? Um, of people. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's right. So a lot of people are coming back into it because it is. You, you can't deny that it's just enjoyable. Like, yeah. Rolling around is fun, no matter, no matter what you're doing. It's, it's just, yeah. you know, it feels good. That's why people ski and snowboard and skateboard and just that movement is, is yeah. enjoyable. So, um, yeah, people and people did get burnt. Like, I know I know. at the end of my professional career, I just had enough. I, I, I didn't enjoy it at all um, yeah. for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah. Um, and it took a little while to sort of come back again, like everyone, you know, because I was just... For a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit quickly before we move on to some of the other stuff we chatted about before, but, um, you know, the recording didn't work. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Woodward trip as well, right? Because after Blading Cup, you then got to go to Woodward. Oh, man, that was a highlight. So, um, with them skates... So I, I don't and I have no affiliation with them skates, but I try and support John as much as I can. So, um, and I was staying with John Mulio and. Uh, what are you skating at the moment? Are you still skating Valo, or are you skating? Have you no, no, I'm on them. You're them on them. Sk- yeah, cool. Yeah, them and Fifty Fifty and yep. Cosmo Wheels yep. and um, some of Bill's Skater HQ bearings. So yep. eight or nines, um, and it's a great setup. Yeah, it's amazing. They're such good skates, like for especially for a first effort. Yeah. Um, there, there's always every skate has something you can improve, but for a first go, I tell you they're they're incredible. Skate. Like you can just do anything on them. They're really really nice. good skate. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was staying with John, and, and when I said six months ago that I was going to come over, um, I said, mate, if there's any chance we can get to Woodward, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And he got back to me and he said he would, and and he, true to his word, you know, as the gentleman he is, he. He organised it with Miguel, who works out there, and um, we went out for a day, and it was just so much fun that place. Like it's, it's really fun, especially with that team with the then skate guys. You know, that's, that's amazing. Any highlight moments there? Um, oh, the whole oh, 
Miguel and I did had a vert session. That was pretty fun. I haven't ridden vert in a long time. So awesome. That, that was good fun. And um, yeah. Gosh, he seems like an amazing guy. Just having heard him talk on a couple of. Um I mean, obviously, watch him skate, but he heard him talk on a couple of podcasts and stuff. Seems like a very pa- infectiously passionate, sort of philosophical, but um, I don't know, practical kind of character. Yeah, very hands-on, and he is—he's the most passionate guy I've ever met. Like, he yeah. really, really gets emotional about skating, which is great, and it's—it is infectious. Yeah, uh, we had an awesome, awesome skate. Uh, really fun. Uh, Gavin Drum, like far out. You just. Forget how good. I don't know why I forget, but he is just phenomenal. Yep. He is amazing, that guy. So that was that was a highlight. And unfortunately, John hurt his knee, so I skated only skated with him once. Uh, his oh, knee was much. really bad. So no good. Yeah, yeah, but um, nothing serious, I hope. Um, sorry, nothing serious, I hope. Uh no, just old man, I think. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it takes it's quite a the heel up as well, doesn't it? Like if you you know pop something out, just even a little, or whack it in a bad way, you just heal a lot slower, don't you? The older you get. Yeah, that's it. Twenty five years or, or more of landing on his knees, I'm sure, has taken its toll. So. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, no, um, Chris, one of the guys, actually John and a few of the guys, said I should tell this story when I speak to you of how I actually got there. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is it's kind of cool actually because so. Um, I, I'm a firefighter by, by trade or by work and um, you know obviously we don't live in a, a luxurious mansion on the beach or anything so, so going to America is an expensive yeah. expensive thing to do you know especially when you've got three kids and all that kind of stuff and um, a guy out of the blue after watching Vine Street 2 or Chapter 2 I should say um, I must have got I don't know, 200 people, 300 people asked me for Cosmo wheels because there was a picture in there of, of a bucket of wheels that I had. Yeah. And I said, oh, there's no, unless your name's on them, there's no chance. No, I'm not giving them up. And then this one guy said, look, I will give you $700 for four John Julio wheels. US. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. And, and although I didn't want to get rid of them, I really didn't want to get rid of them because I still use them, I still skate them. Yep. Um, I did have four brand new John Julio wheels. And sitting there, and I'm like, well, I can actually go and see one of my best mates with the money from this. You know, rather than just looking at the wheels that I've got, I can actually go and hang out and, and skate. So I ended up selling the wheels. Yep. And um, that bought my ticket to, um, yeah, that bought my ticket to, to Blading Cup. Oh, it's pretty ironic, really, because sold some John Julio wheels to go and see John Julio. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a funny little twist at the end, and he goes, oh, "I don't want to, don't want to offend you at all, but I'll give you three hundred for your ones too." <laughs> <laughs> I like now. I understand that. Mate. Oh, John, I would pay more for John Julio wheels too, <laughs> but I didn't sell them. I couldn't sell mine. No. And was that a, um, a Cosmo, little framed Cosmo wheel that you were kind of giving to John that I saw at the airport or something? Yeah, yeah. That's I, nice. Tommy Fry and I, I was, I was saying to Tommy, I, I, I'm really good friends with Tom Fry still. We yeah. still chat a couple of times a week. And um, I said, oh, I want to make something for John. You know, I was thinking of making frames like hand, Australian timber, Australian hardwood yeah. frames and putting our wheels in them and just a a photo, you know, from, from a yep. trip together or whatever. So we got some photos printed up and we went up to Tommy's and he's an amazing 
uh, woodworker and timber worker and we sort of, you know, we make the frames and we put them together and, yeah, people loved it. People were right into it. And I, was, I actually gave them to them saying, look, you've probably got a whole heap of, of memorabilia. If you want to use them for something for the blading cup, um, you know, give them away as a prize or whatever. And he's like, no way, I'm keeping these. There's, they're going straight to the factories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, let's yeah. talk. Let's talk Cosmo a bit because that was one of the things we lost last time. So this is a, a legendary Aussie wheel. You know, we see some of those old footage of um, uh, skaters. Whenever you see the alien kind of image on the back of a t-shirt or on the front of a t-shirt or whatever, that's the that's connected in with um, with Cosmo wheels. Yeah. Um, and that were they really special? Why? What what made them so good? Um. Well, Tim Dawes, the guy who made them, I, I wish I knew how to make them because <laughs> I'd make them again. Um, I don't know. There was rumours going around that, you know, the urethane, the materials that we could get here, they couldn't get in America and, you know, they were all hand like It was like chemicals that were kind of outlawed or whatever was something. That, yeah. that was one of the rumours. I don't know how true it is, but it seems feasible because I know the same thing happened with surfboard blanks as well, like, our surfboard blank industry is massive because they're still allowed to use these horrible chemicals here that they're not allowed to use overseas. Yeah, right. Um, so it, it, it's very feasible that that was the case. But, I mean, before Cosmo was even selling, we were doing testing for them and uh, they were wearing out and they were doing this and, uh, and not working that well. And, um, but he just he's just a master with urethane and... Um, yeah, he, he got into it in a strange sort of way, right? Like there was, he kind of fell into the inline skating wheel thing? Well, he was Aussie. He owned Aussie skateboards originally and then he owned cockroach skateboard products, so cockroach wheels and rails and, and all that kind of stuff. And then he ended up selling uh, that business and went into um, – so he wasn't allowed to keep going in the skateboard industry because when you sell a company – Yeah, not you compete. You can't compete with it, yeah, yeah. And, so he ended up making forklift wheels out of urethane and uh, like a dual core, you know, with a harder inner core and a softer outer core yep. forklift wheels. And I suppose when the inline skating industry started booming, he, he sort of thought, oh, well, I can, I can make wheels for these. You know, I've been making skateboard wheels for so long. And, um, yeah, so he, he sort of threw his hand at that. And, and uh, Tommy Fry would actually know more about this than I would than what, yeah, so we'll get him on the podcast sometime. Yeah, yeah, we were we were testing them in Sydney with another guy, Aaron Perkins, who is actually a photographer, but also right. a great skater as well. Like not not really stunts, but amazing on his feet. You know, he could do hockey stops and steroids yeah. and that kind of stuff. And Tommy Fry was in Melbourne testing them, and you know, we'd just give our feedback, and he'd change them slightly and change them slightly, and then you know, eventually came up with this urethane that was just magical, and um. Especially vert skaters liked it because they were just so much faster. You now on street, you can kind of get away with not having the fastest wheel in the world, but on vert, you need every every little bit helps, you know, as you know. <laughs> yeah, um, as I know, every little bit and some more helps me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so what make, what makes it faster then? Uh, the rebound of the wheel, and mm. that was the, that was the difference. So it had this like if you bounced. Bounce a Cosmo wheel. It's like a bouncy ball, like a you know one yeah, of those, those tiny little hard balls. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of those when it hits the ground. And you bounce any other wheel, and they just they're a dull dunk. You know they don't they don't spring, um, they don't spring back as such. Yeah. And um, 
it kind of gives it this lively kind of feel. But the advantage was you could you could they lasted so much longer, and you could well, we call them shuffles or ses, now they call them ses slide now I guess. But you could actually slide on the urethane like a hockey stop, you know, like a blade on ice, which was really difficult to do with these other wheels. So it was, you know, like we were working on shuffles and doing slides a long, long, long time ago. And that was one of the advantage of them. They'd grip, they'd grip, 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 and then they'd let go, but they were controllable. Yep. So you couldn't really do that that easily with different, with other wheels. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It was amazing. And he was a bit of a strange dude as well, right? The aliens wasn't just sort of some random thing. That was part of his sort of outlook on life. Yeah, he was very much a conspiracy theorist. And, um, but it's not yeah. a conspiracy theory. Yeah, not consp- yeah. That's what, they, what do you call it? But it's not. Yeah. It's not. It's the truth. It's the truth, uh, Scott. It's the truth, man. Yeah. Yeah, so he, yeah, he was a very interesting guy. Um, yeah. Tommy and he get along super well. They're both, both into that stuff. So it was... Um, yeah, it's always interesting conversations, that's for sure. Any idea what happened to him? Because the, the Cosmos aren't around anymore. Yeah, he, he just retired. Um, he was still making, so when the inline industry, he was still making skateboard wheels. So after his sort of whatever it was, five-year period, he started making skateboard wheels too. So he was doing both. And then the inline industry really shut down. And um, So he had that going for quite a while. He had quite a few skateboard wheel brands, actually. Yep. And... um. He just got older and, you know, t- right time to retire. Yeah. So he, did, he a just good, did a good job, contributed yeah. his thing. A bit, a bit of a cottage industry thing, right? So it wasn't like he was building a corporation that he then sold off and handed over. He was Cosmo. He was doing no. Cosmo. When he'd finished doing Cosmo and he was retiring, that's that. He's got to pack up shop rather than um, kind of sell the, sell the recipe and sell the brand to some, someone else. No, yeah, that's exactly right. He was he was very protective of his brands and and understandably so. I think I would be too. He, he didn't want to sell it off, you know, sell his all his ideas and all his stuff. So he he's a urethane genius. That guy, yeah, he's got a lot of knowledge. So, uh, yeah, he didn't want to sell it all his knowledge. Back little 15-year-old me was on some Roaches Moscow's with, um, you know, like a, a wrench grind plate and yep. um, Cosmo flywheels on the outside and just skateboard wheels, I think, on the inside. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, and, yeah, I could just still remember the graphics on them, right, just being so just the, so cool, so intricate, you know, and, and obviously those, those green alien T-shirts. and oh, I never had one. I always wanted one. Um, yeah. Who, who, was he the designer or did he have someone else who did all that sick design? Because they, they really were... They, I mean, you've got buckets of them, you know. I mean, they're gorgeous-looking wheels, eh? Yeah. Um, no, he had he had designers. I mean, he, he always had the, – the concepts were always his, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, for our own wheels, we'd throw our own – you know, I, I wanted the all-seeing eye on mine with some wings and bits and pieces mm. um, for my eye. So I sort of – you know, you, you give your ideas and, and it has to be approved by him and then yeah. they get an artist. He did did some of the artwork as well and the concepts and then, you know, someone had finished them off. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all all his sort of stuff, you know. And Julio, you know, he's used to be hip hop Julio, so he had the alien with the sort of headphones and yeah, yeah, all that stuff. So. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's that was an amazing wheel company. It really was. It's yeah, a privilege to be a part of it. Actually, it's from the yeah from the outset like that, and a great little thing to say. You know, there's a little again a contribution, historic contribution from Australia. Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible. Yeah. 
I mean, unless you've ridden them, you don't know. And even still to this day, mind you, I haven't padded a lot of the wheels today. Mm. But from what I hear of people that do, they still, everyone is trying to get the wheels off me. So there must be something special about them. <laughs> It'd be fascinating to really be able to compare and contrast, wouldn't it be like a, have some degree of control? Because nostalgia is a powerful thing too, right? You know, and you go, I was skating at my best when I was skating. You know, I, I'm curious to know how much of that's the case with the Solomon skates that you know a lot of people talk about so highly. How much of it is they really were just the pin- a pinnacle, and how much of it was just you know I was at my best or I was most into the sport at the time. I was into this. You know, it's probably a bit of both with some of these things. So it'd be interesting yeah. to compare and contrast and go, what is the thing now that um, contends or surpasses with the Cosmo on the market now? It'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from what I've well, I mean, I have ridden. I have ridden um, some other wheels that I, I won't mention the name of, but they're um, there's nowhere near as fast. That's for sure. Mm. Mind you, these wheels have had 20 years of curing, so <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've had a long time to get nice and hard. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're you're at the moment you're skating the them them skates, the fifty fifty and Cosmos. What were you skating back in the day when you were competing and and skating professionally? What were your setups? So it depends how far you want to get back. My career stretched a long way. So when I first started, I was the same as everyone else, I suppose, on on rollerblades because that's all there was really. And then I went to Rosie's, Impalas, but um, then I was on Oxygens for about a year. Mm. And then after I was on Oxygens, I went to K2. And that was, yeah, that was a, a change for me, a big change. And um, a really good change. So working with Tom Heiser and Matt Lacrosse and helping with design and, you know, we came out with the King 55. And yeah, so you guys were involved, you and Cessna and I suppose a few others, involved in actually giving advice on how to make what became the King 55 like a doable for vert, suitable for vert skating as well as Yeah, spring. the King 55 was possibly before Cessa was on maybe oh no oh, I don't know you'd have to ask him I can't quite remember yeah. um, but it was it was definitely sort of mine and Tom and Matt Lacrosse's baby that one yeah. um, and it was a brilliant concept it's actually this very similar concept to um, uh, what are they called the skates that you ride on um, the adapt the adapt in yeah. terms of an internal kind of skeletal internal frame but the whole boot wraps around the sort of skeleton inside you know yep um, a similar concept to that, obviously not executed nearly as well as the adapts. Yeah. Um, but the problem was with it, with the materials we were using, they were fantastic for two months of hard skating, and then they just get softer and softer and softer. Yeah. Um, so, but with the carbons, with the adapt and the carbon fiber, you know, it doesn't get softer. It stays no. the same. So, so yeah, it was. It was. Um, they were good, and then we went to the two fifties and. The 125 and the 250s, um, CC, K2s, and I love those. They were really good. And then my last two years of skating, so I was always before on... Before we go ahead, so what, was, what were the frames, what were the wheels during that time? Always Cosmo, all the way through? Well, always Cosmo, all the way through, right until what, now. What size? Um, so I rode mine most of the time, which was a 57. Uh-huh. 57mm wheel. 57 flat? 57 flat, yeah. Street and vert, both flat? Uh... Uh, different points in my career were different things. Uh-huh. So uh, when Andy Rocker first came out, I was definitely on Andy Rocker because there was no other way to grind. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you had to have Andy Rocker to grind. Yep. All um, ride like fifty mil wheels flat, which were really slow. Yep. Um, 
So no, but I like that. I like the feeling of being able to turn, especially my favourite sort of skating is bowl skating. So yeah. I, I do like that feeling of being able to turn. But if I'm now, for example, if I'm going to shoot a ledge, a certain trick on a ledge, yeah, um, I may go back to Andy Rocker again just for that one trick. But most of the time, I ride flat. It's incredible watching some videos where people are riding flat and hitting um, ledge, high ledge tricks really, really fast. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then go for like a, like a Farfanugan or something where you go, if you stick, <laughs> if you stick yeah. on that, man, that is really going to hurt. And um, yeah, Andy Rocker is a bit more forgiving. Uh, oh, definitely more forgiving, but it depends on the trick. Like if you're top bowling yeah. or skull grinding or doing it, 50 or, or something like that, flat's fine. Well, I yeah. find it fine. Yeah. But it's when you start doing fast slides and, you know, where you're sort of up and there's that really fine line of balance, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, the wheel touches and you just get absolutely pitched. So, yeah. Yeah. So it depends on the trick and, and on the personality too. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Most of the time I ride flat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, then that that was so with K two the first part of my career with K two the the um, removable frames weren't you couldn't remove the frames. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Rollerblade uh, after that. Yep. And I was on Team Rollerblade for a little bit, and um, that's when I really went to fifty fifty frames. So I was always using fifty fifty grind plates. Yep. Um, all the way through my skating from when they started and then that's when I went to the frames when I switched to rollerblade that's when I started using 50-50 frames yep and then yeah after that uh, that's when I stopped so that was 2001 into 2001 was when I stopped as a professional you know like mm. getting a monthly salary and, and that kind of thing so yeah and so what, what was there like about the 50-50 frame am I right uh, in thinking it's fairly similar to uh, I don't know if you know, as a reference point, the Adaptscape frame in terms of... It's a pretty shallow groove, is that right? It's a flat frame with a... The frame goes quite low down on the wheel, so so the groove is fairly shallow. Is that, is that yeah, 52? Yeah, it's just an, an honest... Like, if you can say an honest frame, it's yeah. just... What you think of a rollerblading frame is what a 50-50 frame is. Yeah. Um, it's... There's no... It's, it's just a flat frame... With a, a reasonable size gap, it's not a massive gap. Yep. So if you want a massive gap, but um, you wouldn't get a 50-50 frame because it's not a huge gap. But not having a huge gap makes your actual rolling round the flat of a bowl feel really good because yep. the wider your gap is between your centre two wheels, uh, the less your skate turns. You know, it's yeah, you're actually almost getting, even though you've got the four wheels down, you're getting closer and closer to being like riding anti-rocker. Whereas it's by, you know, you, the, wheels, right. the wheels wear, don't they? So that the two middle wheels sometimes pivot a bit after you've skated flat for a while. The, the front toe can be off the ground if you lean back a little bit in the back. Yeah. So wheel one or four can be off the ground a bit, and so you have a middle swivel point a bit. Yeah, that's right. So that's like, like the wish frames. That's what they've come up with because those frames are really, really long, but obviously the bottom, the centre two wheels, depending on how you set them up, but the, the way they're designed is... Yep. to run the centre two wheels slightly lower to compensate for the um, the long frame, you know, so you can actually turn them really well. 
Yep. And I've, I've never actually used them, but the guy I skate with all the time, Morgan, he uses them and he just swears by them. He absolutely loves them. So, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, speed and stuff, speed and vert, do, do you reckon there's, um, I mean, did you early on, I remember early on there were still quite a few people skating like um, on vert, skating like 72 kind of hyper fat boys and stuff like that. They were like 72, weren't they? They were, you know, quite, yeah. quite a big wheel. And then there's a move suddenly to then skating wheels, you know, 60 and below on vert. Do, do you reckon there's a tangible difference one way or the other there in terms of speed? I mean, what you lose in speed, you gain in acceleration or... Yeah, well, we did a lot of lot of testing on all that stuff, um, and the tighter the transition, and the smaller the wheel, the faster the acceleration. Yep. Uh, if you're blasting really high, like a Sesamora, um, you know, and the and the guys that go really high, they can keep the momentum up on those bigger wheels. Yep. Um, so it sort of depends. Like a prime example was. There's a little bowl down at Motorvale that yep. you can skate, a little concrete bowl. Yep. And I started riding bigger wheels in there, anti-rocker bigger wheels, and the acceleration was so slow, so I actually went to a smaller wheel to increase the speed because the top speed, you didn't need a high top speed in there. Yep. You needed acceleration. So I actually switched back to a smaller wheel and then therefore was going faster in this smaller bowl. Yep. And obviously the bigger the transition the bigger the wheel and the more momentum you can carry with it. So. Yep. Yeah. But you're pretty but, pretty happy skating a 57 flat for your average kind of, you know, 11-foot ramp or bowl sort of thing. There's yeah, no, anything. No, no, no need for a big wheel. Well, maybe when you're CJ on the feast course, then it probably helps you to have sort of, you know, 60, whatever it is, 70 on the outside of his wish frames in those massive BMX courses. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And if you need your momentum, like big wheels carry you further. So if you've got a really big course like that, yeah, it makes sense to have a bigger wheel as long as you can still grow on. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so it's it's personal preference too, though. So, I mean, you look at the Yasutoko brothers, those guys were blasting 10 foot on no matter almost whatever wheel they go on there. That's <laughs> all their technique. All about technique, yeah. I'm, I'm baffled at that, man. I, like, it was one of those things. I, I honestly thought when I finally – I came back to skating, and that was when I first um, dropped in on a vert ramp. And I, I think I honestly thought the only reason I couldn't get good air before was just because I never had the guts to drop in on a vert ramp. And so yeah. now, that, now that I can finally drop in, it's all all open to me. And then, then it's just been, t- you know, two years of pain going, no, it's like technique and balance and all these things. <laughs> I, I, I never knew. I never knew. I, was, I, I honestly, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's more that really, isn't it, than anything else? It's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I did run one run at Woodward where I sort of thought I'll pump sort of seventy percent. I got about face height, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to pump that hundred percent. Like I landed one nice air, and I'm like, oh, if I pump really hard now, it's going to go even higher. I was like, oh no, I'll just I'll just back off a bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, because you definitely need it's one of those things. If you do it every day yep. and you have good technique, you just get those little increments higher and higher and higher and higher. That I hadn't done it in such a long time. So I was just sort of running at that 70, uh-huh. 55, 70%. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll get there. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, um, I mean, this bore out perhaps with Blading Cup as well, right? Coming in third there. But. Um, a lot of American bladers, they, they name you as one of the Aussie skaters from back in the day that they think of. Um, and 
you know, any, any, any thoughts on what it was with your kind of historic career? I think this is one of the things we talked about and didn't get, make it into that recording last time, that sense of going, there was something about a mix of how you skated, who you skated with, when, you know, you know how, how, do you, how do you, any ideas why that might be, why you've stuck in people's brains? I don't know. I don't know, because there was a lot better skaters than I was, definitely. But, um, I mean, I, there's skaters that you like to watch. There's skaters that yeah. I like to watch. You know, Dion Anthony, you could watch him all day, even yeah. if he was just doing topsoles. Blake Dennis is another one, you know. Like, yeah. he falls over and looks better than I do doing <laughs> yeah. while he's falling over, you know. Like, there's this, I don't know, I, I can't say, but I did has the industry people um, seem to like the way I did things. It's a little bit different yep. um, to the way other people did things. Like when I first went to America, no one really skated backwards on a vert ramp. And the only maybe they did, like if they did a 360, that sort of sketch out and kind of wobble a little bit. Um, whereas I sort of, if I landed backwards, I went straight into another trick. And yep. if I was backwards again, I'd go straight into another trick and then go to forwards. And then, so I didn't, maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, but if you, yeah, I think I said it before, like if you drew a triangle and put vert in one corner, like an equilateral triangle, vert in one corner street, and then, you know, park skating in the other, and you dropped a pin, you know, like you, if you dropped the pin for Cesar, it would be definitely more towards the vert. Yep. And if you dropped the pin for me, it would be exactly dead set in the middle yep. um, for my style of skating. So I was never really that good at anything, but could do everything. So maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, and then add into that a couple of lucky, at the right time, magazine spreads or memorable ad, one-page adverts in magazines, some of these kinds of things that really, you know, yeah. people, people have it up on their wall when they're teenagers and whatever else. Yeah. I mean, there's no luck involved in, in in that. That was very much planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, as a professional skater, like you had to get coverage for your sponsors. Yep. And um, I worked like I actually just had a beer with a guy, Rich Cook. Like you had to work with photographers. Like Cesar worked with Martin Lockman all the time. Yep. And um, and you also had to know your audience too. Uh, for example, if you were in America, I'm not going to go and get a vert shop because America was very street influenced. Yep. So if I'm in America or I wanted to get a shop, try and get a photo in Daily Bread, I go out with a photographer and I find a gnarly, something gnarly steep with a drop on street because <laughs> that will get me a shot in Daily Bread. Yep. Um, and it was very, very thought out. Um, Actually, that was... So there was, you go. So there's a degree to which you're going, like, there's a professional aspect to this whole thing, right? Yeah, 100%. And I, that was... Yeah. I, yeah, I took it... As much as... It, it makes me sound like I was a robot or something, but... No, I, I did what I like to do, but there was definitely a thought process behind it. Yeah. Um, so in vert, for example, like in Europe, they love parks. They love skating parks and, and vert ramps, so... It was quite easy for me because I was doing vert competitions. Yeah. So you'd get a photo and quite easily doing that because the photographers are all in one place, the vert ramp's in one place. And um, so I sort of got known for my air to fakies because they look great in still print. You know? yeah. And at the time, there wasn't that many videos. So, yeah. so that was an easy one to sell, you know. Like, um, yeah, so it was... 
Yeah. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Like the um the whole process of um skating any any of these action sports, right? To some extent, they you know historically, especially in the nineties, you got into them to not be a jock and to not be doing sport. You're um you know what I mean? You're doing I'm inline skating because I'm not a jock who just plays footy. Um, but after a while, you have to go both in terms of improving, winning, managing injuries, staying fit, working with sponsors. You've got to say, actually, hang on a second, I'm an athlete, and inline skating is a sport. And uh, did, did you kind of wrestle with that tension? Um, well, my whole career, like from, from a very young age, I was competing. So I was a trampolinist when I was young and represented New South Wales at the at the Australian titles and then, um, you know, I played rugby and I did martial arts and boxing and, and all these things and they were all trying to put you – you all had to look the same. So, for example, trampolining, there was an ideal backflip. Yep. The idea was to get as close, as close to that ideal backflip as possible. And then when I started skating, there was none of that. You could do whatever you wanted to do. Like it was – it was free, you know. You, you weren't trapped inside this horrible little box, which I, I just hated uh, towards the end of my career. And that's why I never did any flips on my rollerblades because, uh, you know, I'm almost 43 years old and I could do a backflip tomorrow um, because I've done thousands of them on a trampoline. But I chose, I made a, a conscious decision that I didn't want my gymnastics background to come through in my skating. Uh, wow. I wanted my skating to be... To be what I enjoyed in skating, which was, which was, you know, the flow and the lines and the, the, the different axis of spins rather than anything away from that gymnastics. You know, I didn't, didn't want to be known as that person. So, for example, 1993 it was, I was in Tasmania doing skate shows and, um, and there was a, a jump ramp. There was a vert ramp and a, and a launch box, and we were doing a launch ramp shows, you know, we are jumping over cars and doing all that crazy stuff that we used to do to flat, you know, breaking our backs. <laughs> and we finished doing a vert show, and it was uh, – the days were so burning. And then dragging right. the foot behind you as well, like the dead air. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. And um, I learnt McTwist on a vert ramp that day. So I was on a high because at the time, I think Blake Reed could do them, or, or if he couldn't, it was just after. yeah. And I learned how to do them on that, and so I was kind of buzzing, and then John Pollard and I were, were dropping in off the vert ramp, and we moved the launch box to the side of the vert ramp, so we'd drop in on the vert ramp, jump off, hit the launch box, and then launch, and we're doing big misty flips or bios and yeah. spins and everything. And, um, of course, John and I were going at each other again, going back and forth and back and forth, and he was doing this beautiful misty like bio cork 540 things. And... Um, this is the. This was the last time I used my gymnastics, actually, and I went up and did a double front salt, double front somersault, and landed, and um, and then after that we all stopped. We're like, no, nah, it's not going any further. We're going to get absolutely wrecked if we keep going. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that was that was the day I finished with my gymnastics. I was yeah. just like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Like it doesn't. For me, it's not visually appealing and it's not fun. But as far as I know, I was the first one to do a double. I could be wrong. Who knows? There you go, eh? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was – I suppose that's why I like skating because you didn't have to – you do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. And yet you're still having that – like, on the other hand, you're still bringing with you a certain degree of professionalism, right? You've got to skate for your sponsor. 
the rolling billboard. You got to oh, manage your injuries. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of fantastic skaters that had more talent than I'll ever have, um, their careers got cut short mm. um, for one reason or another. Whether it be, um, oh, I don't really want to get into it. But lifestyle, you know, burn bridges. Lifestyle, yeah. burn bridges. Yeah. Not doing the things you should be doing. Yep. You know, people don't want to work. It's a work work environment in a sense, yep. in a very loose sense. That you're traveling with a bunch of guys, and if there's someone being a pain in the neck, the team manager doesn't want to deal with you, you know? So, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, when I was always a little bit older, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the younger guys, so. yeah. We, um, uh, I've chatted before with Frank Stoner on the podcast comparing and contrasting how atheism or, or religion affects the way your outlook on life, including your approach to skating, and um, we uncovered somehow along the way that we both share a Christian faith. How's that played itself out in terms of the way you've, you know, through your career, your life, your, the way you look at stuff? How do, does that affect these things? Um, well, yeah, it has to, or else it's, it doesn't really mean anything to you if it doesn't affect you, does it? Yeah. In any way, shape or form. Um, no, I was a Christian when I was when you're seven. Became a Christian, yep. and um, yeah, it's a. Um, I suppose the, in regards to skating, and again, going back to being a professional and all that kind of stuff, I've tried to just treat everybody equally, no matter if they're you know Josh Betty or or some little kid at the skate park. I'd, I'd I well, no, I don't. I don't. I don't treat people differently. Mm. Um, which could have been one of the reasons why I don't know people enjoyed my skating. Possibly, I don't know. Yeah. But um, no, I always try, try to treat everybody the same. And that comes from seeing people. You know, you, everyone's made by God, loved by God. All that kind of stuff means that you your stance towards people is not sort of trying to be the best, be with the cool people, be, you know, dominate or control, but. You know, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I, it's, I mean, it, it does influence your whole life, and and some people think you're crazy, and you know, some people don't. But it's, um, yeah, it's your own personal choice of, of what you what you believe in, and and who the hell Jesus was, and what did he do, and yeah, yeah. who was he? That's that's a good question for everybody. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you're no, doing it that way. You're doing it in terms of like a conversational. If people want to talk, you'll have a chat. But it's not sort of you're not sort of there up on the platform with a half pipe or or after a skate session, sort of ramming stuff down people's throats. So much as just if it happens no. to come up, it comes up. No, it doesn't. All that does well in, in from what I've seen. All that does is make people put up barriers and and. Uh, and put up walls rather than break down walls. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Even if I was going to be interested, I realised I don't want to talk to you about it. I'll talk to yeah. someone else about it. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> would you ever? I mean, would you pray before skating in the Blading Cup? Um, I always, always. Well, yeah, for safety. <laughs> yeah. Lord, yeah. save my wrists, <laughs> save my yeah. head. Yep, yep. Always, not never, ever, ever for obviously results because. Because uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, safety is always a big thing. Even travelling, you know, away from my family. That was I was actually super anxious about going to the Blading Cup, uh-huh. and not for me, but for my family. You know, like, yeah, that's uh, 
that was one of the reasons I was quite anxious before I left actually was because of that yep. yeah yeah you don't know until you're a father. No, I know. It's, yeah, it's a, a whole other awareness of you're not your own on another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's good. Man, I reckon that's getting close to a wrap. Is there other stuff that you wanted to make sure we said or covered as a part of our time together? Um, no, not, not particularly. Um, but I... I suppose I just want to try and encourage, like the whole yeah, reason. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah go the for whole it. reason that I'm still skating. One, I enjoy it immensely. I, uh, I love the camaraderie I have. You know, I skate with Tian and, and Gavin and Craig and all the guys from Vine Street, and mm. I love the camaraderie you have. You know, going out skating with the boys is, is awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the selfish part. Um, but I really want to encourage, I suppose, other people that are my age and younger that just because you're you know, in your mid-40s and a, and a family man, you can still have fun, you know, you can still do it. It's not it, it's not impossible. And um, and all you got to do is find someone else to do it with and all of a sudden the, the whole industry will start to grow and get more solid and then the professionals, once that happens and the professionals will start making a little bit more money and deservedly so and, you know, we might get back to the, you know, Brian Shimmers and Dustin Latimers and that kind of unbelievable level of skating again you know that's just phenomenal um with guys as as a job because i mean i skating with gavin and all those guys you know sean dust and well all all of them all the all the guys that are at the top of their game cj they should be making a living out of what they're doing because they're that good at it oh yeah um because that's just phenomenal but unfortunately the industry's not there right now so if and yeah, so I'm just trying to help that, really, if, if I can in any way, shape, or form. I don't have that much influence anymore, but, um, yeah, if, if I can influence it, I'm, I'm trying. So. Oh, man, look, it's, it's one of those things is like the whole, the skate geezer for inline skating or skateboarding, I think you go back 15 years and maybe Western culture would say, or 20 years Western culture would say, once you get past a certain stage, if you're still going around on a skateboard, grow up, come on, who do you think you're doing? But you go back 15 years and no one was saying that about surfing. Everyone went, no, you could surf as long as, as long as your knees and your back are still in it. You can go out there and be a retiree who still, still gets out in the waves. And yeah. I think it's starting, I mean, it's to hit that now with skateboarding and, and, and rollerblading where it's like, you know, same, same with surfing. Like it's not, it, you know, it, obviously there comes a point where you just can't, but, you know, there's sort of different versions, you know. <laughs> there's, you know there's, the, there's the cruisy longboard version of, um, you know, big wheel blading and, yeah. you know, and, and sort of coasting around on your, on your deck, your skateboard deck. Um, and I think painting a picture of that so people, and like that little thing Don West did with you, the, you know, the Vine Street thing going, you know, here's, here's a guy who's happy to skate and, and cruise around doing a couple of... Um, you know, backslides at the Manly Bowl and, you know, yeah. and, um, yeah. and that's okay, you know, and, and that's, you don't have to take your kids to the skate park and then just sit there with your coffee and your paper because that's what grown-ups do. You can, why, no. not, why not lace up the boots and even if you're just sort of scooting around a bit and enjoying that, you know, feeling in your inner ear, that sort of floating sensation you get as you carve around and that's, um, yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's addictive. Um, Falling in the concrete's not Oh, that yeah. sucks, especially when it's cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's just nice and hot up here. I went, went for a roll this morning, actually, and I, I don't think I did anything but a soul grind, so just uh-huh. cruising around, but it was fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, I think you are contributing to that. I think it's great to, um, I guess it's that thing where we're all sort of 
doing little bits to sort of wave the flag and remind people why not. You know, why not dust off the skates? Why not get a new pair? People are still around. Give it a go. Yeah. And that's the other thing that's really important too. Like, it's, it's great to dust off your old skates and, um, you know, your old brittle skates, but get into it. But, but put a little bit aside, you know. If you are a little bit older, put a little bit of money aside and go and buy some new wheels or go and buy, you know, a new frame or those, those all that little stuff yeah. of, you know, 50 bucks here for, for you know, some wheels or a T-shirt or something. Well, just even the T-shirts, right? Like when your, your T-shirts wear out, whatever, just go, yeah. well, you know, I was going to buy a T-shirt anyway rather than just getting something from um, whatever the surf shop. Why not just jump online and buy something off them goods or um, whatever, you know, actually go yeah. and go and just, it's just going to be a T-shirt. You're just going to wear it when you're kind of mowing the lawn or whatever, but, you know, why not wear something with, you know, Julio's yeah. brand or, or whatever, Peter and Olga's brand or something. Yeah, it makes it. It does. It does make a big difference. I mean, it's very difficult in Australia because no one imports anything because there's no margin, no profit margin on it. You know, like yeah. it costs so much to get here. So I do understand that it's it's quite hard in Australia to to buy products in Australia. But yeah. the world is getting smaller, and um, you know, get in with your mates. Like I've yeah, get in with your mates, get a package sent over, and yeah. split the shipping, and it's not too bad. Yeah, it was sad that just after I came in, I think the only wheel company left, at least aggressive wheel company, kind of closed up. There was a company called Foursquare, I think, that up in Queensland. Their wheels were pretty good mm-hmm. too. But, um, yeah, right. I think I, I had two lots of their wheels before they um, disappeared off the map, sadly. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, it does seem to be it does seem to be getting stronger. Like, blading cut, like, hats off to John. Like, he's been oh, in the industry doing sure. so much for so long. And the whole the whole skates it. thing, man. God, them skates thing. Gosh, what a what a risk, what a punt he's taken. And it's still, I mean, I imagine it's still like you know, it's it's he's still going. What's next year hold? Like just because you do yeah, one run of skates and everyone buys them the first time around, it's not in the bag yet, is it? Like he's he's still, you know, it's it's incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully that they should be in actually the next lot. So if yeah. anyone's looking for skates, go buy them off because they're they're amazing. Like honestly, they're a skate that just does everything. Yeah, you can do anything on them and. You know, in the first five, ten minutes, it's not like there's a, you know, they do this or they've got a funny, you know, they're a bit funny at doing this or that. They're just a, if you can say an honest skate, they're just an honest skate. Yeah. They just they just do everything as you'd expect. Awesome. So, so they are really good and, and for the for the price too. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're really good value as well. So, yeah, if you're looking for skates, go and, go and get some from them, themskates.com. <laughs> awesome, Scott. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll leave it there. We'll chat again in the future sometime, maybe even in the flesh with wheels on our feet. Who knows? Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. Thanks heaps for your time, man. No worries. Take hey, care. Catch ya. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by Skater HQ. You can find them online at skaterhq.com.au. We are also supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.